Welcome back, returners and first-time listeners to The Sports Deli, where thought-provoking conversations and insightful guests are always tops on the menu. The three of us, Dr. J, Coach K, and Hootie Hoot, will continue our discussion today as it relates to contemporary social, educational, and sport issues. If you want to send us an email, you can always do so to thesportsdeli at gmail.com, and you can DM us on Instagram at Mike Hootner and on Twitter at Michael Hootner. So grab your favorite deli sandwich or bagel and your favorite beverage, and let's do this together in the sports deli. I haven't played full-court basketball in a long time, so. We are joined by Cherie Sam, who was born an hour outside Baton Rouge and two hours west of New Orleans in Lafayette, Louisiana. She played for 13 teams in 13 years, three years in the American Basketball League, the ABL for the San Jose Lasers, and in the WNBA for 10 years, including overseas stints in Russia, South Korea, Italy, Greece, and the Czech Republic. She won two WNBA titles, which we'll talk about later, in 04 with Sue Bird, and in 2008 with legendary coach Bill Beer. And even though her teammates took naps, she did not. An admitted trash talker, Sam was recently named Managing Director of Northern California's PGA HOPE Foundation. HOPE stands for Helping Our Patriots Everywhere. You can find her on Twitter, at Cherie Sam. Cherie is spelled S-H-E-R-I, Cherie Sam, Sam, S-A-M, underscore 55. And you can go to the Northern California PGA Foundation website at ncpgafoundation.org backslash hope your stories uh stories plural are amazing and um i'm, I'm very excited to to talk to you i know gordon is as well and, and welcome to the podcast thank you thanks for having me it's a pleasure how are you doing well doing well good day yeah good okay for you so before the rain hit the bay area oh did you, did you say nine holes yeah, yeah, yeah. Golf. Oh, here we I didn't go. know you were a golfer. Here we go. She's I didn't know either. <laughs> I didn't know either. <laughs> I, I'm, uh, you know, with the new position, I've been out in the golf course more than I've been in my life. So, isn't that where all the meetings take place? Most of them. Yeah. Of them. A lot of, um, a lot of events with veterans the last few weeks we've been doing. So that's been good to get out, um, play some golf with them, military vets. So I just want to tell you before we before Mike gets started, because once he gets started, it's hard to interrupt him. Oh, oh boy. You and I were both in Orlando in 1998. I, I actually went to a gala with Carolyn Peck, who was like your first pro coach, oh, right? Coach. Yeah. And I, somewhere I have a picture. Uh, we were down at, I think it was down at SeaWorld. Because, you know, the organization used to get- yeah, we used to get tickets. free tickets there. Right. We used to go there all the time. That was around it. Right. So, and- some somewhere I have a picture of she and I standing next to each other. I'm five eight, by the way, and we're we're head to head because I'm standing on a chair at one of the tables. <laughs> I don't know where it is, but Mike has forbidden me from bringing this topic up during the show, so I'm bringing it up now just to say okay. our paths crossed. Well, those are good days. Adventures used to used to go there, ride the rides, and see yeah. the Shamu show. All that that was that was good times. The miracle. Right. Down to, down to Disney? Yeah. yeah the Sportsplex? We, we played a lot of lunchtime ball at the Sportsplex. Yeah. If that's what Thank you want to call it, Gordon. 
but Sheree, I was talking about Gordon uh, calling himself a baller and playing. I didn't. Ball. I didn't say I was a baller. I said we were playing lunchtime ball. I mean, that was the game. I didn't oh, say he balls. He's out there. I didn't make any proficiency claims, nor would I. We all got our levels, right? We all got our levels. <laughs> you know, at, at five eight, if you survive the game without breaking a toe, it's a pretty good day. So, I take you on my team, Gordon. I appreciate that. Wow. <laughs> there you go. Well, there I mean you. that. I mean that. Like you think like someone that would hustle and play hard. Oh, you'd get some defense. That's <laughs> all you want to pick up. You want to do all the shooting, so anybody that could play. No, defense. I, uh, you'd get some defense, but you'd also have to know where the AED device was located because I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure I'd make it more than a minute or two in my current condition. So yeah, like I said, you're from Louisiana, and. Um, uh, Tell us a little bit about what it was like growing up there. And I know you have an interesting story with your track and field coach who did something that uh, everyone would be so lucky to have them do for us, um, you know, believing in us, even if we don't believe in ourselves, especially at a young age and, and, and how things took off from there. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in a very small town. Uh, we say Lafayette, it's the biggest city, but my, the name of my town was called Doosan. Um, small town, 1,500 people, five streets. Uh, so I grew up, I'm the youngest of eight. I have three brothers, four sisters. I was a baby girl. So I got introduced through sports, to sports from my brothers, watching them play around the neighborhood, you know, Saturdays. Some, some neighbor had a court and everyone would go there and, and, and play pickup throughout the day. You know, as I got older, I got to play. When I was young, I just couldn't rebound. Brothers wouldn't let me play. So as I got older, that's how I learned the game of basketball, just watching them, staying around them and their friends and playing around the neighborhood. Um, you know, actually softball was my first sport. So I got introduced to softball. That was my main sport. Played all through high school. But basketball, you know, once I started playing, you know, I obviously um, had some skill, uh, blessed a little bit more skill than others and just uh, took to the game, loved the game and was fortunate to, to have a career in it. Um, I guess that's where you learned your trash talking. Yeah, from, that's where I learned family. my trash talk from my brothers. You had to. I mean, I was most of the time I was the only girl on on the courts in my town. You know, I was like the only girl, so you know, I had to, you know, prove myself. So it started with the talking and uh, just kind of took to it. Uh, you mentioned my track coach, Miss. Uh, yeah. Mark. Yeah. Um, so I play. I played all sports. Like I, I'm. I'm a sports person. I love all sports. I watch all sports. Um, so I was in track and field. She was my track coach and basketball season was over. I was going to go into track and field. And, you know, I, I never was a bad student. You know, I always had the grades academically behavior wise, you know, that kind of <laughs> not so much, a lot of, a lot of, uh, detention centers, and, uh, <laughs> well, and, you know, and it, was, and it was from being the class clown. It was from, it was from doing things, you know, make everyone laugh and just probably, probably shouldn't have done. And, um, I remember I had started a food fight. We started a food fight in the cafeteria in high school. This was my 10th grade year. And I was gonna get suspended. Um, but my track and field coach, you know, she kind of, you know, stepped in and gave me a talk into, and she had this, uh, she had saw this application to attend a basketball camp in, in Dallas, Texas. It was Nancy Lieberman Klein's mm -hmm. basketball camp. And it, what it was, was she has her camp yearly every summer, but she, for this particular, uh, camp. It was 10 kids from underprivileged homes or having problems in school. We call ourselves the problem kids. So uh, 10 of us got to stay at Nancy's house. Um, and wow. 
10 days, you know, going to camp in the mornings with Nancy, coming home, eating dinner with her, hanging out by the pool, just listening to her, hearing her story. And it's from that point that I learned that basketball could be a vehicle for me to achieve, you know, many things. I was enamored with the size of her house and the pool, and all <laughs> those things. But, you know, that I know that, you know, we get me an education um, and it would uh, set me up for a career uh, in life uh, and set me up pretty well. So that camp really uh, let me understand, see outside of my little town, what was possible. Um, and just uh, from that point on, kind of, you know, started less detention centers, you know, and just started focusing a little bit more on sport and what it could do and, and my, the opportunities that it could provide for me. So that's, that's the story. But without that camp, you know, who knows if, you know, if you don't see it, you know, you ever see, you don't see it, you can't believe it. So just seeing Nancy, you know, she, she credited to everything, the basketball and her, her saying that we could have the same thing um, really started my focus on, on sport. That's awesome. Interesting that you talked about widening, you know, widening the field, field of view, right? You have to get out and sort of have these other experiences, which, you know, uh, in our day, we had to go and do literally now it sort of comes in through your screen and you get exposed sort of to the global community through, you know, through social media and videos and YouTube and so forth. Right. So. Um, yeah, absolutely. You aging me. We didn't have that. <laughs> we didn't right. have, yeah, we didn't, we didn't have the social media. So we were in our little box, so to speak, what you saw school bus back home, school bus, you know, not there very much to see. We weren't very privileged. You know, we didn't have much, but my mom, we had, we had what we needed. Let me put it that way, but we didn't we didn't have any of the luxury. So that was I was fortunate. That's awesome. And so you know, obviously, um, maybe some people that are listening don't know this, but so you were were you being recruited by the legendary coach Bill Foster at Vanderbilt at this point in time? No, not at this point. This was tenth grade year, so that was wow. like the summer of my tenth grade year. And then I came back, played AAU basketball that summer, um, and then that's when I started getting the looks. Um, and it was a uh, it was, I'll never forget it because I wanted to know where they had first saw me. And we were in a AAU tournament. I traveled with the Lafayette All-Stars. We had a we had a we had a gang team. We had a we were, we were a good team. We had one national. <laughs> and we were in we were in Waco, Waco, Texas. Um, tournament. And uh Cammie Etheridge was an assistant coach then. And um mm. she's the one that first saw me and then Coach wow. Foster came out. You know, the, the tournament's like one day to see the assistant coach, and then the next day Coach Foster came. So That's right. Said, oh, you know you're doing good as a head coach. <laughs> so um yeah, um got recruited by him. You know, I was also recruited by the legendary Sue Gunner, uh LSU. Wow. You know, so I I had some opportunities. Andy Landers, the University of Georgia, he was my mm -hmm. mom's favorite, um, still is till today. Um, but and Coach Landers was great. So yeah, I had I had a lot of uh, great opportunities, but Vanderbilt just, you know, felt like home, the coaching staff and then the school itself with the academics. And they Did were the top two team in the in the country. Yeah. yeah. Did you sit in the chairs on the end of the court yeah, for yeah. for wow, that's legendary. Court advantage. <laughs> that's right. They don't do that anymore though, do they? Where they have the chairs. So for the people that are listening to the podcast. Mm -hmm. Normally, when you sit on the bench in a basketball game, right, you're on the sidelines. But at Vandy, they used to have the 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 chairs for the team on the end line, so it's very unique. I don't know, I don't know rule wise if it's even allowed now, but it was so. I, I, every time I watch the game, I'd be like, what is going on there? You know, it was so so amazing to watch. How was it to play in that kind of? Because every other game was the opposite. Yeah, yeah, you know, it was special. It was different. 
you know, we embraced that. We knew like teams hated playing there. So <laughs> players didn't too much hate play there because you know, when you're on the other side of the court, it's hard for the coach to like yell at you. So <laughs> right. a lot of players were okay with that, but coaches hate it because you only could talk to your team, you know, when they were near your side of the bench. It wasn't yeah. like you could walk the sidelines. Um, but I know that came up in SEC rules committee. They tried to change it. So now they allow the coaches to walk the sidelines, oh, okay. but the benches are still in the baseline. But the coaches have a coach's line now that goes up the sideline. Do you so, sit below floor level and you have to come up to the floor to actually get into No, the we sit we sit on level, floor level. and the okay. fans on the sidelines sit below level, which is why you can't have the benches because it would block kind of block it a little bit. But yeah, that was that was good times. That was special. And we we like being on the other side too when we saw Coach Foster doing this. So you know it was good to be on the other side. You just don't hear them. I didn't hear you. Was it was a good excuse then? You are listening to the sports deli with Coach K and myself, Hootie Hoot along with Cherie Sam. She is a former two-time WNBA champ, first with Seattle in 2004 and later with the Detroit Shock in 2008. She now works for the NCPGA Foundation in Northern California for the HOPE program, and their mission is threefold, to serve veterans, their health, and their families, to provide resources to PGA members serving their communities in Northern California and Northwestern Nevada, and to grow the game of golf. We're so lucky to have her in the sports deli. And now back to the interview with Cherie Sam, who played her college basketball at Vanderbilt University for the legendary coach, Bill Foster. So, so you go to Vandy, you choose Vandy, and um, you know, you've talked about this in the past, but, but share with everyone know how it was to have such a tough uh, freshman year where you didn't play much but the team had success and you know you were like I'm out and you know uh, coach challenged you yeah that was that was tough because I've never not started or not played at that point you know uh, so as a player it's hard because I'm being you being recruited by all these schools and this was your decision your choice to come here and you know, I felt like I was I was doing good things in practice, felt like, hey, I should be playing. I'm dogging her in practice. Why is she playing in front of me? You know, that type of attitude is the attitude I had. And um, long as I stayed in that mindset, it was really difficult. Um, but like I said, like you said, we had a final four team. I mean, we had yeah. 6'10", Hailey Gillingham. We had shooters, Julie Powell, Shelly Gerard. You know, they were all top SEC players. And, you know, here I was trying to get some some minutes. And I was a post player then right. coming in. I wasn't, I hadn't played on the perimeter much in college. So I was playing the four. So I was playing behind 6'10", 6'4", 6'3". Wasn't that undersized. many minutes. You know, undersized. So that was a tough yeah. adjustment. And I, um, I have five foot ten. But it said it all like, so we win the final four. We're in Atlanta. I remember my whole family was in Atlanta. <laughs> I was like, but at the same time, I was just like, because they were going to yeah. see me on the bench. You know, it was, it was that mindset I had more about me. I know that the picture of me cutting down the net, you would never guess I just had won a championship. I'm like frowning, cutting down the, the net. So um, yeah, season went through, you know, you have your exit meetings, walk in his office, the whole, from the dorm room to his office, I'm just telling my mom, I'm, I'm, I'm trans, I'm transferring, I'm not taking this. So I walk in his office and coach was always cool. Like we've always had a good relationship. He was always able to separate it. Like he would kick me out of practice that morning. <laughs> But then see me in the hallway, you know, that couple of hours later and was like, hey, how's your day going? Like, 
diff, just a different approach to it. It was like, how's your life? What's going on, kid? Not really the basketball stuff. So that's something that always kind of stood out. But I walked in his office and I was like, coach, I'm not playing. I'm not happy. I want to transfer. Um, and um, coach will always challenge you. He, any other coach was okay. But he basically said, where do you want to go? Let me know. We'll schedule you next year and we'll kick your butt. Give me the school you want to go to. I'll call the coach. He said, or, you know, you could, you could, you could stay here, work. You know, he told me the things. He told me why I wasn't playing about, you know, me being undersized. He wanted to move me out to a guard. I needed to work on my ball handling. So he gave me a list of things to work on. if I wanted to stay or I can give him a list of schools and he'll call the coach and get me in. Um, so that, that was my options. Don't make a decision yet. Think about it, you know, and let me know. So, you know, the, the walk back to the dorm was totally different because he had got, he, he was very good at that. So he had got me just thinking about all the things he had said. So now I'm walking back to the dorm and saying like, do I really want to leave? I'm, now I'm waiting. I'm talking about all the good things that I do like at the school. And, you know, maybe I can work on my game and get more minutes, just work. So, um, you know, call my mom, call to talk to some friends and my family. And, you know, everyone pretty much said it's your decision, but, um, Clearly, I made a decision to stay. It, you know, it was it was it was hard. It was a challenge. Um, I was up at 5 a.m. in the morning working on my ball handling before 6 a.m. practice. We practiced at 6 a.m. So by 5 a.m., I had to be on the court with the uh, assistant coach, uh, Cindy Anderson, who's now the head coach at St. Joe's. Cindy was like our wow. our younger assistant. So Cindy, I was in called it the baller room. It was this hot room. I mean, like, <laughs> like I can hot. I can relate. Like if we called it the baller room. So we were there bouncing through chairs and wearing these wow. blinders an hour before practice. Then I got two hours of practice with the with the girls. So it was a wow. grind. It was hard. Um, but it was the best decision I made because I learned so much about, you know, accepting challenges, adversity, how to deal with it, uh, you know, discipline of, of, of committing to something and actually seeing yourself get better. So that gave me a work ethic, you know, to prolong my pro career. I knew how to work on, on my weaknesses and what it took to get better. So um, that helped me in so many ways, that conversation, you know, coach being coach, being matter of fact, not changing, um, but at the same time caring, you know, and showing me that he's going to support me either way. Um, so that was, you know, it was a good decision. Can you tell us what the mindset was? I mean, you described the mindset going to the office and what you were thinking. Mm -hmm. What was the mindset that you, that you later adopted? How would you describe that? I think going to the office, it was more about me, 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 and not seeing all the things I was enjoying, but just seeing that, you know, not playing what people were thinking, like what people were saying about me, um, you know, not necessarily saying, well, I am undersized, my ball handling isn't that well, you know, I don't shoot the three that great. So instead of seeing all those things, you know, going to the office, I was like, look, I'm the, I'm an All-American coming from my state. I had every school in Louisiana from to me. I'm going to the office like, you know, there's no reason. But when I left after, you know, talking with coach and him just, you know, again, supporting me, but at the same time being a realist and telling me this is what it's going to take. Um, so I guess going back, I was more excited about, okay, you know, I'm going to start working with Cindy. What do I need to work on? How do I get better? You know, what, what, what do I need to do to make sure I'm playing? It's pretty much what he put on me. What can you control to make sure you get minutes? So you um, must have some thoughts about um, transfers, transfer rules and, 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 <laughs> The number of transfers and should should players transfer and shouldn't they transfer? What 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 are your thoughts on yeah. that? Yeah, um, you know, like I I think it's a choice. Like I had the choice, 
And I made a decision that was best for me. And I think, you know, some, some other kid in my, in my step, maybe a different decision was best for them. So I think if coaches could leave when they get new contracts with no penalty, um, I think a, a student, you know, within reason should be able to allow to at least transfer one time, you know, doesn't make the wrong decision or for whatever reason, it could, it could be two times, but I think it, every, every reasoning should be looked at and decided on should be given a fair chance and, and you should not be penalized for, for having to leave a school. I never did understand that sitting out. It's, 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 it's mental. I think each, each kid is different because each kid has their own mental capacity of what they could take and, and how they handle certain things. So I think a good coach feels that out. And I think coach Foster did that. Like we weren't all apples, you know, if you are orange and you were banana, that's how he approached you. That's how, that's how he, um, you know, he found the, what pushed your buttons and what he could push and what didn't. And I think that's what good coaches do. They find ways to communicate, to motivate kids without blanketing everyone the same, you know, so I think that's something I learned from him. And um, when I when I coach, that's what I try to do. I, I try to read each kid and know, you know, what what pushes one kid and what doesn't. Some some kids like to be challenged because they're very competitive. That's what I was. Of course, Foster challenged me. And some kids aren't as competitive. They they get motivated in other ways. So you just that's that's a good coach. You know, you have to figure it out. And I think that's what separates great coaches from good coaches. So you go from helping your team to a Final Four and an Elite Eight at Vanderbilt, and you go to the ABL, uh, and then later to the WNBA, and talk about those experiences and how uh, being in one place for a while helped you to be able to handle the rigors and the demands of traveling to so many different teams and so many different countries over, you know, a 10 to 12 year period. Absolutely. You know, I, it was, it was a traveling career and like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change one year, one country, one team. Um, a lot of like with, with the ABL started out in the ABL, right. Uh, San Jose lasers um, straight out of Vanderbilt. You know, I was able to, to play with two people who have, who made huge influence in my life that part, Jennifer Azy, who was out of Stanford, a little bit older. Um, and also, um, Sonia Henning, another player out of Stanford. They were both here in San Jose when I came out. And those two really, uh, Jen was kind of like the big sister, a lot of basketball stuff. And, you know, we hung out. Sonia, we hung out, but it was more like big sis, you need to take care of this, making sure everything was that. So I had, I had those two leaders um, that set the tone for my pro career, which, you know, when the ABL folded and we all like, okay, where are you doing now? Um, when we went to overseas and then when I got drafted in the WNBA, um, you know, Orlando, you know, you talk about Orlando earlier. Um, you know, I thought we had a good year there. I, I, I went off to Turkey after that season, um, expected to, we expected to just pick up where we left off. We thought we had a good team. It was me, Keisha Sales, Shannon Johnson, Taj McWilliams Franklin, who else was on uh, like we had like we had a stat team and we felt like okay now we're gonna we're gonna come back play because we had all played against each other in the ABL. Right. Uh, Keisha and I had been roommates for years with USA basketball, so we were all finally getting to play together and we we're excited. Come back from Turkey, won a championship in Turkey, feeling good, like whoa, you know, get back in Orlando. You know, we start training camp, training camp's done. I'll never forget a training camp finished, and it was Memorial Day. I think it was Memorial Day. It was one of the Memorial Day weekend or something right before the season started. We're out barbecuing and I came back 
I went upstairs. We all lived in the same apartment complex. I remember I went upstairs and I saw that my aunt, we had answering machines then, dude. Like, can you believe that? <laughs> we had answering machines. So I That's see good. the light blinking on my answering machine, but before I can get to it to press the button, Shannon Pee Wee run buses back up. Pee-wee. You know, my partner's like, yo, yo, read, dog. Like, what? Yo, she's like, yo, she's like, you got cut. I was like, what? She's like, you got waved. And then I see I had my agent had, had called me. Um, I had a voicemail from Carolyn saying she needed to talk to me. Um, so yeah, so I got cut. I got cut. That's it. I'm not on the team. And I just was, I remember the first few weeks, I just was sitting in Orlando, not knowing if I was ever going to play in the WNBA again. Um, fortunate for me, that was the expansion. The next year, we had four new teams coming. Um, so, um, you know, I remember I was on, calling Renee Brown like maybe twice a day. She's like, Cherie, I'm going to call you. Like, Renee, Renee, <laughs> you know, what's going on? So, you know, it came down between um, Miami. And what was weird, because Jeannie Busick and I, she was assistant coach in Miami. She said they were trying to trade for me up until the deadline. But next thing you know, they saw me on the waiver wire and um, they claimed me. And wow. I had to, it was a waiting period because it was four expansion teams and they were all wanted. And, I mean, I wasn't all, I mean, I was a good player, but <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to try to run, but I was a good player. <laughs> so like, you know, so end up Miami won the coin toy. So I ended up going to Miami and wow. that was like, I believe things happen for a reason in Miami, really, because when you think you're red good, you win a championship in Turkey, you had a good year, you're humbled, you know, you're waved. And I think going in Miami, being in that position, it was best for me because the guidance I got there from with the Heat organization with Coach Rothstein, mm-hmm. um, right, you know, right. and Pat Rollins, it was really about family. And, and again, kind of like Coach Foster, you need to work on this. It's on you. And you know, I had I had my best seasons there with, with Tony and, and Jenny and Coach Ryan. I became an All Star. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they really um, taught me again um, what it takes to work on this level. Uh, the commitment. You know, you know, same thing you hear about the Heat. Yup, you're coming in. You're getting your body fat check. You're getting this. You got wow. training. You got strength tests, running tests, and that was constant. And you know it wasn't easy. Um, and like if you, you bought in, like a lot of the teams did. I mean, I had Debbie Black on my team. Like I just follow her. She's in the weight room an hour before practice. Listen, so <laughs> you know, so we learned that mindset, and they make you accountable. They held you accountable um, in Miami, and that really helped me. Then it gave me that environment again uh, of being accountable and being disciplined and, and working to get better. So that was like a blessing to me. Well, and you get to stay in the state. So, right. so, so really, you know, you, you, you could have wound up going all the way across the country, but mm-hmm. in, instead you get to stay in the state three hour drive, three down hours the, south, drive. right? You, you can throw everything in the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're still in the sunshine. It's not, it, you know, maybe it was just a little bit easier to make that adjustment. And I, I'll tell you that uh, I was pretty close to being your video guy. If it wasn't for the solar bears there in Orlando, I, I probably would have been the, the video guy that season. So crazy. Uh, you Small know who was our video guy, right? Was Spolstra. it Eric Spolster? Oh, yeah. in Miami, in Miami. Yeah, in Miami. Yeah, right. No, That's not crazy. no, you were talking about in Orlando. In Orlando, was, yeah. yeah. But yeah, in Miami. Wow. I, I, mean, I remember Eric giving me. Tony used to make me watch VHS. Again, I'm aging myself. VHS. <laughs> right. So our assistant coach Tony would give me VHS tapes to watch Reggie Miller because we ran that same offense where they would run them off screens, and yeah. like, you're Reggie Miller running off the screens, watch these tapes and. Eric had these cuts and I, I would watch that and he was our practice player and 
Yeah. Wow. So yeah, so that was a great organization, great time. And then that team folded. So I'm just like, what Crazy. the, you know, then from there it's Minnesota, then it's Seattle, then it's Charlotte. Yeah, they used to have a stack in the in the edit suite. They had a, a vertical stack of like 15 VHS recorders <laughs> that were that were all patched in to the cable connection. And you just load them up every night right, and every program one. each one to go to whatever the the station was and record that night's game and everything had to be done manually. So I'm I'm sure Eric earned his Earned his right, he earned his stripes. That's work. What do they do now? <laughs> now it's all it's all digital. It's you all just digital. It's done like a thing it. and it shows up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was you know it was it was a it was, like I said I went from team to team. Some I could control, some I didn't. Um, you know, finally got to Seattle again, where you think you have a good fit. Um, you win a championship, and uh, you know that's the way the business works. You, you know, contract, you know, didn't come, wasn't there. Our contract was there, but wasn't wasn't signed. And then, you know, I ended up going to Charlotte, signed a, a year there. But then again, I get to play with Dawn Staley. So I get to play with another leader. And then when I was in Minnesota, I got to play with Teresa Edwards. Yeah. So it's like I'm going, I'm, I'm going to these places and I'm playing on different teams, but in, on every team there's there's this dynamic leader where I've, I, I picked up bits and learned and kind of just put them in my bag that I, that I use today. In my way, you know, learning from Dawn, learning from Teresa Edwards, you know, from Crazy, Taj, and, and Pee Wee, and those kids, and then Debbie Black. It's amazing. You are listening to an interview with Cherie Sam along with Coach K. I'm Hootie Hoot. Cherie was a two time WNBA champ and was inducted into the Vanderbilt University Hall of Fame. She was also voted as a legend by the Southeastern Conference as one of the top women's players. In the history of the SEC, she won national championships in Turkey and Israel, along with being a two-time All-Star in the WNBA. She also was a Kodak All-American and a finalist for the Naismith College Player of the Year Award during her time at Vanderbilt University. Now back to the interview with Coach K and myself, Hootie Hoot, with Cherie Sam in the Sports Deli. And then you, you played for Muggsy Bogues. You played for Bill Lambert. How was how was Muggsy, man? Yeah, he, <laughs> he was a trip. I love Muggs. <laughs> Muggs and Twirl, Earl, uh, Big Earl. So like, yeah, Muggs was great. Muggs and talk about competitive and passionate. Oh yeah. my god, um, that's Muggs, you know. But um, and like Muggs was a was first first of all, we used to be new. Muggs was sensitive, so we'd play on these most. Come on, Muggs, you know, but. <laughs> You know, really? he wow. wasn't that no like you know he wasn't no beer land beer. Let me put it that way. He like, wasn't that direct. Rick Mahorn, yeah, passionate out there, practicing with us, still pushing wow. us. Um, again, someone that had to uh, overcome so many adversities with his size and the lead. People telling him he can't, you know, and having a chance to learn from him and how he translated his adversity to show us how to get through things that, that are necessary in our way. So, wish we could have had another year with him again. This one, we starting to get things together, that team goes. So now, you know, we don't have his leadership. And from there, you know, I go to Indiana and I get to play with Tamika Catchings. Crazy. You know? So it's just like, just some great bad things, but then I end up in some great places. And in Indiana with, with her, um, Tamika was great. We had a great team all the way to Eastern Conference Finals. You know, I, I love that team. And again, you know, thinking I was gonna stay, but then Brian Winters gets fired, Lynn Dunn comes in. Right. Rechange the rosters. I'm out, um, and then I end up 
you know, it's a blessing when you when you you know you want to play. But if I could have had chose any team to go to, I would not have chosen Detroit. <laughs> you were just in the Eastern Conference battle with them in the finals. Right, you just we would have won. I think we would have yeah, won. Yeah. Catch tore her Achilles in game in game two, and then we we end up losing the series. So like that was that team was not on my list to go to because I we like battled like. I remember Larry Bird coming in the locker room, giving us our pregame talk and telling us wow. anyone gets close enough, tell Lambert that Larry said he's <laughs> I'm not gonna repeat it. Um, you know, but like, you know, just having him come in the locker room and, and tell wow. us what it takes to win the playoff game and, and giving us advice. So like, wow, you know, and then you got going against Bill Lambert. So and then the next year I'm playing for him. So um, Didn't you play with Nancy Lieberman Klein also? Things come in full yeah, circle. That's crazy. The battle, the brawl, LA, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. That Doris Burke was was on that game. She was announcing, and uh, Michael Cooper was coaching um, the the LA Sparks with a with Candace Parker, who was a rookie on that team, and. Um, Bill Lambeer, as we said, was the coach. Uh, Rick Mahorn was the assistant. And Rick Mahorn ended up getting hit uh, by Delisha Milton-Jones. And Rick Mahorn was trying to play peacekeeper, but with the other team, and I think pushed Lisa Leslie down. Yeah, I, I, I remember that. that. was crazy. Cheryl Ford got injured from the uh, Detroit Shock. Um so that was that was crazy. I remember that because I don't ever remember a brawl with uh, women's basketball, and uh, yeah, it's definitely unfortunate that you got suspended for that um, for <laughs> taking one or two steps onto the court, if that. I still want to repeal wow. that fine. I did not leave the bench. I took two steps, and then you know you know the rule. You come off the bench, you get That's suspended. Right. And it's like it happened, and you're like, whoa, and they're like, oh, but I got pulled from one of the players to get suspended. Uh, Half our team did, and here comes Nancy. Nancy, uh, Bill puts Nancy on the roster, and this again, Nancy is like an idol to me. You have no idea. Crazy. I'm like my basketball guy. And wow. I remember we're in the locker room before the game, and you know she's there and she's feeling it. But then I remember she's asking me, she's like, "You think I made the right decision?" I'm like, "Are you <laughs> kidding me?" Like, I was like, "Relax, Nancy, go out there and play." Because she, you know, at that time people were writing things about her being this age and wanting yeah. to play, give younger people a chance, but. Like, are you kidding me? Like, you're in the locker room. I mean, I was in high school. Like, it was like amazing. Wow. I think I had an assist from her in that game. So, <laughs> you know, it was great. Like, you know, just to to have like I wow. with Nancy Lieberman. So that was that was awesome. And Hornbuckle was on that team too, right? Yep, Alexis Hornbuckle. Buck was yep. good player. We had a good team. We won. I mean, we won the championship. We swept San Antonio three zero. But again, I played with some great players. I played with Katie Smith. This was twice because I played with Katie in Minnesota as well. Um, Tweety Nolan, mm. you know, Cheryl Ford, wow. you know, one of the top players at, at that time, you know, and Planet, you know, battle, you know, and Lex. We came off the bench, Planet, me, Lex, kind of like, you know, that was our little crew coming off the bench, but um, How was Sue? Kind of dwindled, but it was a yeah. fun it was a How, fun To rewind just for a second, how was Sue as a young player, Sue Bird? Uh, Sue was the best. Seattle, I mean, that was a great team. Sue was the best. She didn't say much. Great. She didn't say like she would observe and she knew you like when we get with our crew, she'd talk, but when we get in the huddles, like I would love to see what she's saying now and then go back and, <laughs> right. play, and play what we did then. But she was young. She was just learning. I think it was her second or yeah. third, maybe second year, third year in the league, but wow. um, still competitive. Like I love to play her on the practice because you know, she's going to drive you competitive, hate to lose. You know, our practices were, were competitive and, and the games were fun. I just would run the courts. So we throw it up. 
it was easy six points a game. But yeah, I enjoyed playing with Sue a lot. And just to see her growth now, it's uh, to what she what she's become. You know, it's like I like think I had a little small part to do with it. Yeah. Just to see her now, like it's like, okay, cool. You know, but we were the first, we were that first team. And there's nothing like that yeah. first championship. So yeah, totally. That's awesome. What did you think of the sisterhood uh, and what they did this year in the Wubble and what they stood for and how proud were you? Mm-hmm. You know, because you were part of one of those first few years as a trailblazer, a pioneer. You know, you chose the ABL first, but you were still one of the first WNBA players to, to start this thing that's, you know, been going on for 23 years. You know, how proud of you were, were you of everyone and what they did and collectively just the message they sent and, and what the country did as a result of that in part. I mean, I was, I was, I was very, very proud. Um, like to see them step forward for injustice. Anytime you see anyone stand up for injustices, that, that makes you feel some type of way. Like, you know, um, you know, proud, you know, happy, all, all those feelings just to be a part, to be associated. And then like, cause that's growth. Cause when I was in the leader, it was, there was not, it was like, we were new. No one wanted to say things that could make us go away, right? Okay. You know, like it's like okay, no matter you can't, you couldn't really speak out because it was so new. I remember having meetings, player player association meetings when there was CBA was up, and them saying like, "Hey, this is what they give us. We just need to take it and go." You know, and you see the progress now where they in the CBA, you know, negotiations like, "Nah, you know, we want this, 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 this. <laughs> right." And not budging and standing up, so you see that growth, and it makes you, you know, you, you're proud because you know it's going in the right direction. From where we were for our CBA negotiations, I never forget Lisa Leslie come on the phone and say, "We need to just take this, or our, our David's gonna like boot, we're going." And seeing it now with Sue and the Boomake, the Boomake sisters, and, and that union, and them fighting for 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 rightful things, you know, fighting for that, and to see that transcend to social justice and really having a say and a voice, I think it just shows a lot about the leadership. From the very beginning, you know, from the days when I was there, how that that tone was set, the role was continued, and now is this continuing to be to be built, and now it's on it's on a whole another level. And I think that's society has come a long way and grown, but also I think that the mindset of the young players now um, are more about equity and equality, um, and this is what we stand for, and not having that fear. We're 23 years, 25 years, you know, they can't just erase you. You know, you, they got to, um, it would, you have a voice now. So to see them use that voice, it's awesome. It's really awesome. You are listening to an interview in the Sports Deli with Coach K and Hootie Hoot with Cherie Sam, former two-time WNBA champ and Hall of Famer from Vanderbilt University. She now works for the PGA Hope Foundation in Northern California. The PGA Hope has a Memorandum of Understanding and MOU with the Department of Veteran Affairs which enables recreational therapists to refer veterans to the PGA Whole Program as a form of therapy. And the Department of Veteran Affairs research and clinical experiences verify the physical activity is important to maintaining good health, speeding up recovery, and improving overall quality of life. And for many injured veterans, adaptive sports provides their first exposure to physical activity after injury. Now back to this incredible interview with Cherie Sam in the Sports Deli with Coach K and Hootie Hoot. So when when will your book be released? <laughs> <laughs> it's coming, it's coming. Okay, you know, good. It's like, like you play, 
in so many different, like I, I just thought about, like I was, when I did a, a speaking to some kids and like one of the questions, like the different countries I've played in. And I did a list of all the different countries I visited through basketball, whether it's professional or through USA basketball. And I think I'm like at 26 or 27 countries. And you, you think about that and I, I, I go back to each team and you think about where you were in your life. And it's like, basketball has given me so much and that's college. And then now the opportunity to lead this amazing foundation to help veterans, you know, in Northern California. And it's just like, I attribute all that to basketball. So, and, you know, we got the, the, the player things that, that we're privy to, that's going to be in the book too. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's been a journey and it's just now where you really start to reflect you know, what is in your mind, the book, you know, you start to reflect from day one and just- So it's in the works. And stuff. Mentally it's in the works, nothing's on paper yet. Yeah, because I mean, uh, what, I, what I hear is I, I hear like great seasoning. You've had great seasoning. You've been to all these, you know, tables where you've mm -hmm. had, you know, all these different kinds of exposures, different meals, different, you know, different countries. And then you, you've got some frequent flyer miles that, that know, kind of right? blend in there, right? That, that, that take you around and, and distance you from maybe a, a, a small experience and broaden the scope. And I, I, you know, I hear it and I'm hearing it for the first time, but I, uh, I would, I would want to hear more. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. I've been, I've been blessed with so many opportunities and every, every, every piece of that puzzle of what my life is has been amazing for me. Um, and just the experience itself. So, and I think young people need need to hear it. I think they probably need to hear it now. Uh, and I, I certainly think uh, girls need to hear it. And I certainly think people of color need to hear it. So I, I hope that you'll you'll take it from from cognition and and find a way to get it down on paper or whatever it winds up on now, and and it gets out there. So. Well, like like Billie Jean King said too, you know, boys have to, you know, uh, care about what Kamala is saying and what she's doing. Also, it's not right. just about the girls. Absolutely. You bring up a really good point. So, talk about your new gig because you know you've been involved in sports your whole life, either as a player or as an athletic director, or as a coach at uh, Eastern Illinois for a few years. And now you're transitioning to a little bit different kind of position for you uh, to tell everyone about it and, and what it entails. Right. You know, like what's been, since my, since basketball ended for me and, and like with most athletes, it becomes like, what do you want to do next? I mean, what's next? Um, and I, I know I wanted to stay close to sport and I had, I had wonderful years as administration, as athletic director, got to learn a little bit more about each different sport, you know, and that role and, and, and being around the athletes. Um, but I mean, to me, it's all about purpose and doing something that you love. You know, I, I love going to, to work every day now as athletic director. Um, and then now having this opportunity to, to lead this foundation. I come from a veteran family. My, mm -hmm. my grandfather was in the army. My dad was in the air force. My brother, uh, did tours in Iraq and I have a nephew now who's in the army. So I've, I've, I've come from a veteran family and just to be able to, to be connected with that and then golf being the sport, you know, I've, I've impacted lives. I see how basketball can impact lives. It's impacted my life. And I've tried to use basketball to impact others' lives. Um, and now I got that same opportunity uh, to do it through golf and to impact the lives of veterans who I tell you, man, like when we talk about sacrificing and commitment, you know, as an athlete, you make a lot of sacrifices and commitment for your game to get better for your skill. And, and veterans make those same sacrifices and commitments for you, right. for us. Um, so to, to know that, what it, what it means and what it takes to make a commitment to something, 
um, and, and sacrifices for something. And then to see them do that for the country and for the world and now to be able to serve them um, and help them because you know, a lot of veterans, they deal with a lot of things. They, they, you come back into civilian life. I know from my brother who, you know, who's a vet who deals with PTSD, you come back into civilian life and it's not an easy adjustment. Mm -hmm. um, and so what, what our foundation does is we run a, a program called PGA Hope. Um, veterans sign up for six week. They go through a six week program where we have PGA professionals teach them the game of golf, right? And it's, you know, and it's, they'll tell you it's, it's, it's to learn the game, but it's also to bring them the camaraderie around other veterans. They're on the golf courses having fun. And for some of them, those two, three hours, that's, that might be the only solace of the day before they go back. You know, I hear stories for some, a vet that say he hadn't left his, his house in like six months until he started the PGA Hope program. So, you know, it's, it's a great program. We have different events for them um, through the game of golf. And um, it's, it's just affected, impacting their lives. You know, and, and I get to lead that. I can lead that, you, be a part of that. You're not just impacting their lives, you're saving their lives. I mean, 22 vets Absolutely. commit suicide every day. And, um, you know, they have to be moving and dealing with, you know, being reintroduced and, you know, in some small way, you're doing that, but it's you're, what you're doing is so important. You've had a thousand veterans participate in this program in the last five years. I yeah. mean, that's a lot of people. Absolutely. You know, I've, I've only been, I started October, October, beginning of October was my first day. And I've, I've now we, luckily with, with COVID, golf is still something that we're allowed to do. You have to have, yeah. your discipline, but you're still allowed to go outdoors. And I've been to a couple of our graduations and a couple of our golf events and you know, just joking with the, with the vets, hearing their stories about how it's changed them. I'm telling you, it's um, purpose driven. This is, this is like my purpose now. I'm committed to them mm -hmm. um, and just doing whatever I, I can do to enhance that program and, and help, you know, bring more for them, get more veterans involved. And, you know, that's, that's my purpose now. That's the challenge ahead of me to help this foundation reach their goals. And um, I'm all in, I'm committed to it. Now, is it only, is that, are those golf lessons only for veterans? Because I've got a friend named Charles. He does a little TV broadcasting. Uh, I've seen him golf. He really needs some help. Could we get him <laughs> into that program? So we can get him in. Hey, they helping me. You know, my golf, my, my golf game, my, when people ask me, you know, how's your golf game? I'm day-to-day. I'm and sometimes I'm T to T. So I think we need, to, I just think, him, but, we need to send him a tweet to Charles underscore Barkley and get him, get him some lessons. Is he in the Bay? I don't know where he is right now. Well, he's not on, it's, it's, he's it's, not on TNT right now. I can tell you that. But I think Charles would help out those veterans in ways other fun, than golf. You know, absolutely. <laughs> like, and it's a fun game. It's a challenge. It's a challenging game. And it's addicting. Like, I'm not good, but like. I played today, probably wasn't the best, but like, I can't wait to get out and go play again to try to get better. So, and Any then we, it's, it's, it grabs you. It's, it's a really challenging game, but you know, like it's, it's been, it's been a blessing to, to be in this position and to have this opportunity. Yeah. Just don't have Charles Berkeley showing anyone how to swing the club. That's all I gotta <laughs> so, say. Just teach him, teach him how to, how to love life. And like you say on your Twitter to live, love and laugh. Live, laugh you know, that's, and love, man. That's yeah, what you exactly. do. That's that's life. You know, take your blessings with your with everything that comes and just be be thankful because it, it happens for a reason. There's a purpose behind everything. I absolutely believe it. I mean, my career says it, you know, teams mm -hmm. holding, teams starting, traded, waived, you know, and just, you know, not having opportunities and having opportunities. Cause from that time when you stop playing until that next opportunity comes, and I know I'm speaking to all my former players, it's tough. 
from, from the retirement moment, there's no more contracts and it's what you're going to do. And it's tough. Um, now the WNBA has better programming for, for um, former players. And with the NBRPA, it's another program for former players. But any, any professional athlete knows when, when that window closes, when you got to hang up, hang it up. I mean, before that next opportunity, it could be a tough time, but you just got to tough and believe and keep going. Same, same attitude you have when you play. You just got to right. keep going, keep preparing. Has the Retired Players Association helped you? Yeah, they did. They did. Because um, from the time when I stopped playing with Ditton coaching, you know, I, I, was, I was taking classes online through programs that they had. I recently took another class um, and got a, a certificate with NYU wow. online wow. with them. So there are definitely programs now that's great. Because when I first stopped playing, it wasn't there. And now they have more programming for us. Um, the, the WNBA is a little bit more involved in helping out because, uh, you know, it could be a tough time. It could be a tough time because you're young and you're just like, what do I do? Um, and although most women have their college degrees and education, there's just not opportunities. That's why I wish there were more opportunities in the WNBA for a lot of former players who, to me, have the, the qualities to coach, but just are not getting that opportunity, which to me is 23 years in the making. There's not one former player that's a head coach or a black former player that's a head coach. Am I sure about well, Yeah, well, hopefully you know Dallas, Dallas will hire Vicky. Uh, or, I don't, or Chris, I don't or even know why she didn't get the job in Vegas when I mean, she was already the head coach. But um, Vicky's, Vicky's one. Taj McWilliams Franklin is someone else that's been knocking, knocking, and never had the yeah. opportunity. And there, there are tons of others. When yeah. we go to our retired players conference, a lot of players want to get involved in coaching, and that's just not that opportunity in the W. Fortunate, some the NBA has grabbed one. Yeah. I don't know if one's that magic number. One's good, but you can grab two. You can grab right. three, you know, but you got one. It's like, okay, we got one. Well, but even, hopefully it gets to the point where it's, yeah. it doesn't matter. It's not a number. You're qualified, you know, yeah. go. I mean, so, even, even in listening to, you know, your various stops, you hear a lot of names that come from the men's game, right? You talked about Lambeer and Muggsy and Larry Bird and Rothstein and Pat Riley, right? These are all people that came through the men's game. Right, right. Uh, and I'm not saying they're not qualified to be where they are. I, I'm, I'm sure they are. But those are the kind of places where you'd like to hear some different names. Absolutely. And I mean, you see that you see former NBA guys getting chances in the NBA. You see um, with it, Miami just hired uh, Karan Butler mm. um, and then New Orleans Pelicans. They hired Weatherspoon. Cool. Yeah. They brought up and then also other, two other former players. So you hope that the W will start giving the, us former players that opportunity as well. Well, this is what the, this development are just having them on the bench. I mean, the only team I could think of that has players is Cheryl. And that's because yeah. Cheryl, I mean, I love Cheryl Reed. She was my coach in Charlotte and my coach in Detroit. And, you know, she's someone that's come up because she was assistant for a while before she got her opportunity. And you see her giving former players. She has Katie, she has Planet, she has Rebecca on her bench. Before that, she had other players. So she's a coach that's given a lot of opportunities to players. You want to see it more. Um, so. Well, and it's, you bring up a good point uh, before we get to this last fun segment that Gordon and I uh, developed together to, to have a little fun at the end. Stop but, saying. you know, M Muffet, Muffet McGraw talked about this, you know, extensively, especially the last couple of years when she had a little bit more of a platform when she won her national title about how guys will, will recommend other guys for positions, even if they don't, you know, have the qualifications. <laughs> guys will believe in themselves like you know, hundred percent right from the jump and women for whatever reason will not recommend other women and they don't believe in themselves, you know, initially, I think it's changing a little bit, but, you know, and I think that's why there were so many women's coaches in the beginning of the WNBA, 
you know, and now there's, like you said, none, you know, and the New York Liberty hires someone. He was an assistant for a couple of years and he gets a job in New York. Like, I, I know he's a, a gentleman of color, but come on, like, it's ridiculous. There's so many qualified women to be head coaches in the WNBA. And why isn't there expansion? Like, there should be more teams. Come on. Absolutely. Like, it's ridiculous. Absolutely. Just, yeah, just to a point, I like the New York Coast surprise, but I really thought that Vicky would get that job being come that she on. had played so long. Crazy. I just like they're bringing Vicky Johnson back to New York, but that opportunity it, it doesn't come up. And, you know, it's it, and like you said, you got these men that come up. Um, I, you know, and then, like Dallas job, right? You hear Vicky Johnson. I'm hearing Eric Tebow. Love Eric, no nothing against Coach Tebow, but you know how is that qualified? Are you hearing Bryce Agler? Like, and you're not why hearing not, why not Chris? Hearing the former players' names, like, and these guys, yeah, they were on their benches of their fathers, but. Do they have this? I mean, Taj McWilliams have 25 years of experience. So, yeah, but they're ahead. Sense. They're ahead of. They're ahead of that line. And you know, it's something you want to see change. I, 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 I trust the leadership in the WNBA office um, with uh, the new commissioner and with Bethany Dauphin and them and the operations and you know for the different program. And I trust that they that's going to start to change. But that's, you know, I don't know how much I trust until you actually see it. You know, and and it. And we, to speak to you about being qualified and just making that, I heard Muffet say that and I agree with it. You know, you just, you just gotta do it because people are gonna tell you, you're not qualified, you're not gonna get it. Um, but you just gotta keep doing it, trusting yourself and applying for and applying for positions where you don't think, you know, you're qualified. Absolutely, Gordon has a book he's, he'll brag to you about of all his rejection letters. I got a book about like 250 rejection letters and my good friend I talked about at Kansas State, you know, most of those jobs you think are a joke or inside jobs. She got the job over 500 people. Like mm -hmm. she just applied sort of as a joke. And she, right. I mean, she got it, you know, right. it was, it was right. one of the legit ones. I mean, a lot of them are friends of friends, but like you got, you got to apply ladies. Like, well, you know, don't, don't just, let that stop you. Hit send. All you can, all you can hit get is send, a no, man. Right? Or no reply, but you feel a lot better doing it. And You're not mailing a VHS tape anymore with, with your highlight clips. You know what I mean? Like Absolutely. it's just, it's boom. And I agree. We need to expand and we need to get a team in the Bay area, you know, like, that's something that I would love to see. You know, I started my career here. We had we had a great team. You know, Joe Lacob was our guy. He was our owner. You know, now he's only the Warriors. Is that like Connie like yeah. gonna end up eventually? But I, I do think the Bay Area could support a team and several other cities can. It's, I think, you know, we have to grow, build, but you can't just not do it because you think it's not gonna succeed, right? You gotta take that leap of faith and just you know, expand because we've had we've had 10 teams now forever, 10 teams, 10 spots. And we keep saying how much the talent is getting better, but then we're not expanding opportunities to keep that talent. A lot of that talent, you know, overseas is not for everybody. So a lot of the talent just, you know, some of those kids never get to play on the next level. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And, you know, uh, people love women's sports. It's not a $7 billion industry like the NBA, but it's 60 million. It's still right. a lot of money. There's still a lot of revenue coming in. I mean, that's that's not in the negative. So let's go, people. Step yeah, up. We need our NBA guys to step up. I'm surprised. I mean, it doesn't take much to, to initially to own a team. So I don't know if it's because they're in the NBA. They can't. But it would be great if a couple of NBA guys, Dwayne Wade, brought back to Miami. So, you know, right. invested in the team here in the Bay Area, Draymond stuff, you know. That's helping the women. That's growing the game. You know, that's just a small investment, like five, 10 million. It's, yep. it's not much for these guys when you turn it down 50 million a year, AKA James yeah. Harden. Yeah, no kidding. Jesus, so, so crazy. That, you know. I'm with you.
All right, let's get Gordon's got to go in a little bit. He's got he's got a six three. I don't know if he's teaching a yoga session or what he's doing. He's got something with his little fly jacket on there, his little skyline jacket there, right? So wait, uh, let me ask this question for you're on mute, Gordon. So if you had to take a yoga class, because Gordon and I both teach yoga, would you take uh, would you take yoga class now that you got to know us a little bit with Gordon or me? And are you teaching Bikram or hot no. yoga? No, neither no. of us do Bikram. That's my favorite Bikram. I could do Bikram all day. Oh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll teach that then. If, you te <laughs> if you're teaching Bikram, I'm, I'm in your class. If you, one of you guys are teaching hot yoga Bikram, I'm in your class. Without, without the heat, it, it's hard for me to focus and just stretch. It's like, I love Bikram. I'm into the poses. But regular yoga, it's a challenge for me. It's, it's supposed to be a I'm challenge. I'm not very flexible. Never was. Trainers yeah. hated me. Like, stretch your hamstrings, stretch your hamstrings. Can you see me? <laughs> How flexible, tree, tree you think, bones, how, how flexible do you think I am? <laughs> and stuff. So, yeah, I take it. I'll take the class. Gordon, you take the class. Mike, okay, I take we're gonna the hang, class too. We're going to hang you upside down and turn the heat up. How's that? That works. <laughs> yeah, there, there you go. That's all it takes. <laughs> all right, let's get to a few of these fun questions. Gordon, if you got to go, we understand. Okay. We love you. Good. All right, man. All right. Uh, wait, how did Kobe's death affect you? Uh, you know, in the, in the way, because it, it really just made you, i never forget, it was that morning I was, I fell asleep yeah. and I, I would hear my phone going off and it's like, Kobe, it was so out of left field and just so tragic and shocking. It just gave you perspective about life. That's, that's what it did for me. It just made me think you just never know. Um, you just never know. You know, you went to church that Sunday morning, you're on the way to a game, a flight you probably taken yesterday to the, and it just happened. So you just got to, Really, we say it all the time, but for me, his death just put in perspective about life, family, and enjoying the moment because yeah. it's nothing's promised. Like nothing. And we all have our schedules for tomorrow or, or for the weekend, but nothing's promised. And you just really have to take some time in the day to deep breath and enjoy the moment, your blessings and, and just being here. So yeah. that's how it affected me. I got a the book too that I've, I've I read his one book, but now I started reading um, his other books that he started to write, um, which are been pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I hear good things about them. I, I definitely got to get into those. Um, all right. Uh, yeah. Say that again. Wisenard series. Yeah. His book. So. Yeah. All right. Uh, Super Mario or Tetris. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Those were both my games. <laughs> well, we got her on the first oh. one, Gordon. Whew. I mean, <laughs> God dang it. To say, but you know what? Tetris, I'm going to say Tetris. Although I love, I love Super Mario, but I'm going to say Tetris. Okay, because you got mad when it would get to the top. And you're like, no, I had it. faster and <laughs> it. Yep. Totally uh, uh, Jolly Rancher or Tootsie Roll? Jolly Rancher. Flavor. What was the favorite flavor? Green apple mm. and then watermelon. Green apple, watermelon. Like you pick those out the bag. <laughs> Green apple and watermelon, nice. you know. So definitely. Uh, Sanford and Don or the Jeffersons? I'm watching both of those on Hulu right now. <laughs> but I'm going to say, I'm, on top of both of those, I'm going to say good times. Wow. Good times is my Jones, and then I'm a, then I'm a, I'm a go. Jeffersons, and then what was it? What was the Sanford and Son? Sanford and Son, yeah. yeah. 
Jefferson. So, so now what's happening? What's happening is out of there, huh? We uh, rerun. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I can see him running behind the truck. Those are all things I watched growing up. Like you killed yeah, me in the car. I forgot about that. You know, who doesn't like to see a rerun dance though? Those those were good and stuff. But yeah. And then, With the suspenders. Uh, all right. Yeah, that's crazy. Oh my god. All right. Waffles, French toast, or pancakes? Uh, it depends on the pancakes. Depends on the place. But if I'm at home, I'm doing waffles. I'm just putting it on the machine and doing mm -hmm. the waffles. You ever been to Waffle House? I'm from Louisiana. What right. You? Okay. So what? What? what yeah. <laughs> what you mean? <laughs> yeah, but so, I, I prefer Cracker Barrel. And like wow. people say, wow, but I, I'm a Crackle Barrel over Waffle House. Was that Hornbuckle Gordon who talked about Crackle Barrel? Tennessee, no. not like that's what got me into Crackle Barrel. Crackle Barrel is the bomb. I'm taking Crackle Barrel over Waffle House. Interesting. I was I was more about um Richie Rich. <laughs> Richie Rich, wow, that's I crazy. Was, I was Richie Rich and then um, Fat Albert, man. That was my job. <laughs> that was my <laughs> oh, Bird Fat Albert was great. No, yeah. no, I was Richie Rich. So man. no Tom and Jerry, no Grape Ape? Tom and Jerry, He-Man. <laughs> He-Man, wow, that's crazy. Wonder yeah, Woman, Bionic Woman. Tom and Jerry, Tom and Jerry was my Jones. Okay, so Bugs before, Bunny, so Bugs Bunny. Bugs Bunny, yeah, yeah. Pink Panther, no? Not Pink Panther, not yeah. much. No, I was so, so before Coach Foster put you out on the challenge you to get out on the perimeter more, what was your what was your favorite post move? Favorite post moves is probably just turn around jumper to turn around jumper or just bang yeah. them in, up fake, up and under. Up and under I had yeah. some post moves. Like I had some post oh, moves. Oh, I know that's right. I had some moves. I mean I had to, I was undersized. So yeah. Totally. I use my quickest turn, yep. face up, sweep. Definitely. Okay. So, so then you got out on the perimeter, uh, Euro or floater? Probably a little bit of both. I, I did a little bit of both, but yeah. things with Coach Foster, when you were in the perimeter, like as a perimeter play, he wasn't into the dancing and all the moves. No. He was like straight line drives, get to the rim. So whichever drive can get me to the rim, that's the one I was doing stuff. So I don't, I don't think he would have liked the float. I was more of a pull up than a float. Mikhail or Hakeem? Ooh, those, that's, I mean, that's <laughs> blasphemy. You can't pick either one when it comes to the post game. I mean, the dream was the dream. Like the dream I can't, I mean, I gotta go with the dream. I gotta go with the dream. Although my yeah. mom was a huge Celtics fan, like wow. huge. Like, and my dad was a Lakers fan, so you can imagine our Sundays. Wow, that's when crazy. The, when the Lakers and the Celtics played. Tommy Heinsohn and Chick Hearn. Oh, my God. Those were Larry Bird, Mikhail, Johnson, and Kareem. But I'm, I'm going to go with Akeem because the shake and his moves were just smoother. But Mikhail, that up and under, can't beat it. Can't beat it. Can't beat it. What about Hornbuckle, Alexis Hornbuckle? You played with her in the WNBA. She was on the podcast also. <laughs> hey, Buck's a soldier, man. I, I play with Buck any day. Um, great teammate, um, off the floor as well. Just always there and considerate and just mm. there for you if you needed her. And on the court, again, there for you. You're going to ride or die for you on the court. So definitely Hornbuckle, even though she's a vol. You know? Yes, that's right. 
Even though she's a ball, ball for I life against her. I won't hold on. <laughs> Wait, so if you're, where would you have transferred to if you if you were gonna go? I was LSU back to LSU. Oh, okay. Coach mm -hmm. uh, was one of my schools. Uh, Coach Coach Landers in Georgia was also, mm -hmm. and then Tulane. I was not oh, going wow. to, to Tulane. Those are well, those were the three that I was seriously thinking about going back mm -hmm. and transferring to. You would have got LSU mad. was on top of that list. Pokey was an assistant coach there then. And wow. then, you know, like I mentioned, Coach Gunner was there. So those were my, that was my top and stuff. And then Candy Harvey was at Tulane. I was wow. just there. So I really had liked her on my, on my visits. That's cool. So, yeah, you got mad PT at Tulane. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, San Francisco food, Louisiana food. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, that's, that's my roots. I mean, Louisiana, like, it's it's those are indulgences, right? So, yeah. but when I go home, got to get the crackling, mm. uh, you know, boudin balls, and then you know, mom has to make you know your favorites, you know, gumbo. Yeah, gumbo. Red beans, yep. and rice. So mm. crawfish. So I mean, come on, Louisiana, San Francisco. What I like about the food, the fair here, because because I've traveled a lot, so I'm able to. You know, if I want to go and have some food that I really love in Italy, I want to get a good pasta or get some good Mediterranean food. So I like having that in San Francisco. You're not going to find that in Louisiana much, right? Um, but nope. just, I, that's what I like about San Francisco Fair. You know, you get you get a little bit of culture. Yeah, definitely. It's very, very eclectic and diverse. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So this is a palindrome. It's the same forwards and backwards. Okay. All right. Never, odd, or even. Or a Toyota's a Toyota. A Toyota's a Toyota. Okay, there we go. Okay. The next one is Madam Adam, or was it a car or a cat I saw? Madam. <laughs> so you chose a Toyota for the car. first Toyota one? Toyota was my first car. I got mad love for the Toyota. Hey, me too. A Celica. I had a Tercel in college. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> All right, uh, Pat Summit or Gino? Oh. <laughs> okay. Obviously, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, you know, when I, I was, was we were number one, number two in the country my first year. So that's that. Uh, you know, I saw Pat Summer. I only got to beat her once, and that was in the SEC championship game. Yeah. Um, you know, and then Gino, you know, I, that's the school I lost to my senior year in the Elite Eight. They went on to yeah. win it that year in 96, mm. and then we lost. Um, Gino's a good friend of Coach Foster, but, you know, I'm all about women, yeah. women empowerment, and Pat's, Pat's doing for women a lot. So I'm going to say Pat Summer. Definitely, I agree. All uh, the Vandy fans right now don't hate me. I'm just, I'm, I mean, I know, but it's Pat Summit. So <laughs> I get to choose something. I chose two Tennessee players already. So Pat Summit, I'm going to go with Pat Summit. Yeah. Buck will be happy. Um, <laughs> Buck and, and me. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Candace. Uh, who's the best player you played against in the WNBA? Best player I played. I played against so many because my position when I was growing up was like a loaded position um, with Cheryl Swoops and mm -hmm. uh, Coop. Coop. Uh, yeah, so those two during my days, those were those were challenging people to guard. Oh, I would uh, say, yeah. I mean, but it's talking about best players on the floor. You know, I, I think about, 
you know, my some of my teammates. Think about Lauren Jackson. Um, I think about Lisa Leslie. Lisa was tough. Mm -hmm. And we had some battles between LA and Seattle. Um, oh, yeah. So, I mean, that's uh, so many great players. Teresa Edwards played against her, played in the ABL, and again in, in the ABL. I mean, Teresa Edwards was a tough player. Like, I mean, she's a five time Olympian, too, right? So, like, yeah. You know, I, I respect a lot of those older players. You know, they're getting there just with the NCAA Katrina McLean Award and, totally. and things of that nature. But, you know, that's that's my list. I'm going to say Lisa, Cheryl, Cooper. I'm probably missing someone. But those were, like, players that were challenging to guard for me. And I remember scouting reports about them that, you know, singled them out. <laughs> yeah, of course. All right. Uh, LeBron or, or MJ? Michael, that's what, I mean, that, you know, it's, it's weird because it's like I, I follow NBA and they like usually for I'm, I'm usually have a team, but with NBA is about players. I follow yeah. the players that I, I feel connected to or joined to. Michael Jordan, I'm coming up. That was my player. I love watching yeah. him play. I got every book you know that he writ he's written. And but now, you know, like LeBron, I, I really like LeBron. Like I'm a huge LeBron fan from when he was in Miami. Um mm -hmm. I got his high school jersey when he first came out. So He's, he's someone that I, I really enjoy watching play. Um, and I love what he stands for and the things he's done in the community. So those are two, two players that I follow. Kevin Garnett was another player that was a, I was a big fan that I follow a lot. Um, so those are, those are two of my top players that I like. So I, I cannot choose. <laughs> okay. I can't, I can't choose. Cause I, cause I, I'm not getting into that battle. I've done it before I was asked. You know, after to me, LeBron has made the case to where he's. Are we talking about generational? I, I think yeah. we have to do generational, yeah. um, and I think he's the best player in his in this generation. Mike was yeah. in that generation to me. Yeah. You know, my mom thinks it was Larry Bird. My dad thinks it was Magic Johnson. So, but I love both of those guys. But Michael was, you know, he was special. special yeah. Growing up, like, come on. Yeah. Well, and he's doing more with regards to what's going on now. So it's good to see that part because he. Oh, he sort of took a backseat to that for a while, at mm -hmm. least public publicly. I, I think media-wise he did, but I always thought he did for more for his local community. Like now with the hospitals, he's the thing he's doing in Charlotte, I opening up all these clinics and stuff. Mm -hmm. I think like it's just a time and a place. Like Michael to me was so competitive about the game of basketball. That was his focus. That was his world sport. Yeah. And now he's at that next phase in his life where he's starting to do more and speak out more, use his voice. But I think he's always done things that go unnoticed, kind of. Mm. But I think he's always been a, a, a philanthropy guy. Yeah, that's cool. All right, the floor is yours. It was it was amazing to share space with you. You're doing amazing things, and they're lucky to have you. But uh, share with everyone any few last words. Uh, really, no few last words. Just thank you for having me. Um, it, it's good to get on and talk, talk about the game, uh, where it's yeah. been, where it's going. And you know, a little bit of my story. Um, but again, this is to me life. Life has a purpose, you know. You, you don't always know what it is, but you just have to live it each day with positivity. I'm a big John Gordon fan. Yep. Um, you know, I, I believe in positivity. You think positive thoughts, positive things happen. Um, so I just, uh, you know, especially with the world and the space we are now, with you know, political space, with uh, the health wise, with the pandemic, yeah. you know, there's a lot of chaos going on. I just think having a each day where you just deep breath and enjoy the moment and think positive that yeah. um, it puts you in a better mindset. So 
Uh, that's that's just to share my thing. And if you can go on and support our foundation, um, attend some of our events at ncpga.org. Um, again, thanks for having me. Um, it's been a pleasure. It's been a yeah, pleasure. it was great. It was awesome. Uh, well, you come out here, we'll go to Tory because uh, and that's my home course. And I, I was a uh, pretty low index about 20 years ago. I thought about trying to give it a whirl to go to go on the tour, but. Uh, coaching and kids sort of came between me yeah. and that dream so but yeah you're doing great things yeah keep that left arm straight keep and, it straight right yeah keep that Stay left arm straight <laughs> and get that you know, good divot get that good divot you'll be good divot. yeah yeah stay keep your knee if you hear this in basketball like right bend your knee like and and, and your swing is the same you don't come up stay in that that's right position. keep your head still yeah, yeah. So it's, it's it's challenging, man. It's challenging, but it's fun. And if I'm ever there, we're definitely gonna go play. We'll go definitely. definitely. Go All right, sounds good. Much love. Stay safe, and uh, we'll catch up soon. All right. All right. Thanks. All right. Sounds All right. good. All right. Bye. Much thanks to Cherie Sam for joining us here in the Sports Deli today. It was wonderful to share time and space with her. You can find her on Twitter at Cherie Sam underscore fifty five. Cherie is S-H-E-R-I, Sam, S-A-M, underscore 55, at Cherie Sam, underscore 55. You can follow the Hope Foundation, the Northern California Division of the PGA, at www.ncpgafoundation.org, backslash hope. And Remember, you can always send us an email to thesportsdeli at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram at Mike Hootner and on Twitter at Michael Hootner. For Coach K, this is Hootie Hoot. Until next time, peace.